talking about PHI, where Sue Chamberlain and I talk about HIM-related and PHI information from the clinical and from the marketing perspective. Quick introduction, I'm Kat Vai. I have been in the healthcare marketing B2B space for about 30 years and I am Sue Chamberlain. I've been in the HIM field for a little over 35 years. Today, we're going to discuss professional growth from an entrepreneurial perspective, and we have an excellent guest. We have Beth Friedman, and we want her to tell you her story, and we're going to dive in to find out, you know, some of the tips and tools and insight that she has to share. So we're really excited about this. So welcome, Beth. If you could just start by telling us a little bit about your professional growth, and then we'll take it from there. You got it. Thanks, ladies, for having me on the show today. Uh, yeah, Beth Friedman, I'm a senior partner at Finn Partners, which is a global PR and marketing firm. And my work with Finn focuses on healthcare. So very appropriate to be on with you ladies today. My whole career has been in healthcare. I actually started as a coder, a medical record coder with my RHIT way back in way back in the day and um, moved into data quality analytics before moving into the vendor side, uh, which is kind of what led me to uh, start my own firm. And we're going to talk about that today. So happy to be on the show. Thanks, Beth. Happy to have you. So Beth, um, you started out as a coder and then you went on, on to the entrepreneurial side. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that transition and um, maybe a little bit about a myth of being, the myths of being an entrepreneur or maybe the magic of being an entrepreneur? <laughs> well, you know, I can tell you about the journey for sure. And, it, you know, it wasn't, let's say it was more of a, a ladder up to from being a coder to being an entrepreneur. I don't know that it, it would be probably difficult to go to straight from one to the other, but it was a wonderful journey. It was, it was strategically planned and that after working in HIM for about a dozen years or so, I really knew I wanted to do something a little bit different, but still in healthcare. So I think the important thing for folks in your audience or people that are considering expanding beyond their healthcare roles is to think about um, what else can you do in healthcare? Because it's unlim really unlimited. There are so many different options. So I took some marketing and some sociology classes at a local community college and really found I had quite a bit of interest in the marketing piece and trying to understand branding and messaging and all those fun things, Kat, that you and I have worked on for years. Um, and so I really got intrigued about that. And I had a, um, a good mentor who gave me some strong advice about which direction to take. And um, so I took, I took one and it worked out great for me. I, his, his advice was um, I could go to a marketing agency in town. I was living at Pittsburgh in the time, at the time and I could get like, you know, an admin job or something and work my way up. He said, or better yet, take something you know, which was healthcare. And at the time, healthcare technology, my hospital health system was looking at a document imaging system. So I was getting to know the technology side quite a bit and uh, take something you know and get a sales job and then work your way back into marketing, which is exactly what I did. So for a long time, my goal was just to work in marketing. Um, and then once I was there, I went from sales to marketing. And then once I was there, I thought, you know, I can do this on my own. And uh, instead of working for a, for a health IT company, I put out my own shingle and started my business. 
Uh, I didn't realize that you were in sales. For some reason, I always thought, because Beth and I have known each other for quite some time, and for some reason, I thought you went straight from coding um, to the agency and to marketing, but getting the sales perspective is quite interesting, so. And, you know, I think it's very important for marketers. So if there is anybody that's thinking about a marketing career, having a few years under your belt um, being a salesperson is extremely helpful because number one, I was selling um, hospital information systems to CIOs at, at hospitals and health systems. And so it really teaches you um, what the buyer's needs are, which is, as you know, Kat, a very important thing to do and to understand completely when you're trying to market a product or a service. You had a second part of your question though. What was the second part? I don't think I answered it yet. Oh, geez. No, it I don't remember. The, the myth of the magic behind the myth. it. Right. Yes. Well, I think the myth is that there is magic. Um, because there's really not. The, the magic is a lot of hard work. Um, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to own your own business, you know, there's no more nine to five. Um, it is your life. And it is always on your brain. It's always on your mind. It's um, you really don't ever walk away from it. I just came back as Kat knows, I just came back from a very long vacation, part of my longest vacation ever uh, as a professional. And, um, you know, I checked email every couple of days. I was kind of pinging in and making sure things were being followed up on. So the one thing about an entrepreneur, an entrepreneurial entrepreneur is that um, it does take a lot of hard work and it doesn't happen overnight. It, it's a journey. Can you go? Go into a little bit more detail about exactly what your company does, what exactly you do in, in, as an entrepreneur now. Oh, sure. So um, I started um, my own agency, so my own business, actually 15 years ago, and really just with myself. So that's how most entrepreneurs start, right? We start very small. Even, even Judy Faulkner, who's the CEO of our biggest health IT company, Epic, she started with a friend in her garage. Um, so you just never know, uh, if you're going to start small, but if the idea is good, if you're meeting a market need, it's, it will take off. And, um, what we do now, what, what I started 15 years ago, what we do now really is the public relations and thought leadership for healthcare IT companies. And that includes some consulting firms as well. So, you know, it's things like, um, getting one of our customers, subject matter experts up speaking at a conference, like um, HEMA's coming up, right? Um, and on the heels of that is the HLTH or the health conference. So getting people, getting those speaker abstracts in, getting people presenting. Likewise, on the thought leadership side, we do a lot with working with the media and the editors in healthcare to um, do articles that we submit. Uh, we've done a lot with the Journal of HEMA over the years, HFMA, HIMSS, all the associations, as well as some of the other ones. So we do media relations, public relations, thought leadership. I would say that kind of is at a very high level what we do. At the end of the day, we write a lot, a lot of writing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, there are many people that are listening to this uh, show that are um, in the professional field, like HIM, directors, managers, executives. Now, from using the entrepreneurial mindset, how can someone use that thought process to maybe grow within their organization? Because I think that there's something there. When you're thinking like an entrepreneur, you think a little different, your personal branding, 
you know, how uh, you can move up, but do you have any insight or some perspective to share? I think the most important factor there, Kat, is confidence. Um, confidence in what you know and what you've done, your skills, your experience. I think a lot of us in HIM um, don't think our experience and our and our knowledge goes as far as it as it does or as it can. Um, you know, as HIM professionals, we've been through a lot of education that's health related. Uh, we've also been through a lot of project management management education and experience. So, you know, have confidence in what you know and have confidence um, in what you know you're capable of. And I would also say the other piece of that is confidence in what you already know, but then also expand your knowledge. Um, there's not a day that goes by that I don't spend 30 to an hour, 30 minutes to an hour, looking at all the various and sundry industry news that comes into my inbox. Uh, I really wanna know what's happening in my industry. So whatever you choose, uh, for a business, um, you know, if you want to transition your career, really, you need to know your stuff and then have confidence in that knowledge. Yeah, I, you know, as an entrepreneur, have coming to the table and thinking that way, the confidence, you're right, is so important because you're telling somebody to trust you with their business. And if you are an HIM, someone in the corporate setting or, you know, in the clinical corporate setting, you're trying to move up, you have to kind of come to the table, I think, with that confidence. You're so right about that. What are your thoughts, Sue, as someone that has actually been in the, the HIM space as an HIM person? Well, and that's one of the things where you talk about that, that confidence. I think that the, the C-suite isn't always exactly sure what HIM does in an organization. And I think that there's a lot of people in the HIM field that, that don't really understand that their training and their experience, I, I always used to say to my students that you have one foot in administration and one foot in clinical. And it gives you this big picture perspective so that you have an understanding about what the physicians, what the healthcare providers are going through, but also the revenue cycle and the management of that and all of those elements that go together, you're still involved a lot of times because you're on the back end with patient satisfaction and, and that type of thing to see what some of those issues are. So you're absolutely right. I think that understanding that that HIM gives you a different perspective than a lot of other careers in healthcare to have an, a broader understanding, a big picture understanding. And I think that sometimes HIM people forget that. You know, and there's so many opportunities. Um, so I think you, you make a good point there that are right, they're coming up this month, uh, first of the year, um, the information blocking requirements and regulations, right? October 6th, TEFCA is on the heels of that in January. Um, and, you know, think about hospitals, health systems, physician practices, think about HIEs, think about ACOs, think about all the different various and sundry stakeholders in the process of sharing patient information that really could use our expertise as HIM professionals, right? Absolutely. And, and there's a lot, I mean, what I'm already seeing, you have a lot of people that where the technology is jumping in and maybe forgetting some of that protection and privacy and all those things. And again, an HIM person has that understanding. I love how you said that 
some of the people that are starting the in that HIM field and looking at maybe becoming an entrepreneur, there are a lot of different ladders in a sense that people could climb mm -hmm. to yeah, be able to find because there's so many different things going on and the expertise can come in a lot of areas. So yeah, the health information technology companies need us. I mean, they really need our expertise, especially with some of these new things coming out. And then, you know, you mentioned, which I appreciate, you mentioned patient engagement, patient experience, you know, with TEFCA, information blocking and then TEFCA as well, that framework um, allows for patients to have a much broader access to information. And that really is where we're headed. <clears throat> so gosh, think about all the patients that really need our help. You know, I was with a, I worked with a HEMA. They were actually, Catherine, when I started my industry, my business, they were my first customer, my first client uh, was a HEMA, was my association, right? Um, with their MyPHR campaign, which some of you may remember. Yes. And, you know, some of those same things that we were talking about back, about back then are going to bubble up to the surface as more and more patients do realize, recognize, and understand that they can get easier access to their information and they want to know what is it contained in that information what do I, I do if i see a problem there's just i can see a lot of expansion in the years ahead for more of our um, him expertise helping patients and their families absolutely well even with some of the requirements of the education on the parts of the providers trying to provide education about apps and all that type of thing that's being talked about and proposed in these different regulations and who's going to be best to try to put that training together and to help patients understand what exactly is even in a medical record, let alone, you know, how to protect it and that type of thing. Who else might use it and how they might use it. And, you yeah, know, that's, that's a really, that's a real important discussion um, because I think the, knowledge and the access to medical records there's still the the unknown as as a patient you know you you get these medical records you know you have access what do you do with it how do you understand it how do you make sense of it um because even for me sometimes i'm looking in my millions of portals that i go through and i look at and i'm trying to compare things and sometimes i i truly have questions and and um I think that there, that's a big opportunity. You, you said something interesting, Beth, you know, you were saying that when you're an entrepreneur, <clears throat> it becomes your whole life, you know, every day. Uh, are, are there any productivity hacks that you learned along the way that, you know, really saved you or that you maybe you wish you knew earlier that you learned later that really would have helped your um, process? I will share a couple with you. The first is when I need to really work on a project to turn off email, turn off, the chat apps turn off whatever is going to distract you and <clears throat> really make sure that you dedicated focused time to a project or you or it'll be tough to get through it and you know when you're an entrepreneur your clients are relying on you to meet your deliverable deadlines and there's no excuse when you don't so so you have to be able to really partition off I, I think I've gotten really good at segmenting my days and segmenting my time uh, and partitioning family time me time, whether it's walking my dogs or doing my little yoga stretch in the morning um, versus work time, right? And then that work time, I've been segmenting out between meetings and getting things accomplished. So I think that that's important that um, you make sure that you can turn off the distractions when you have to. 
The other hack that I wish I would have learned sooner is to delegate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've gotten really good at it. My team will probably tell you she's gotten really good at delegating, but it's taken me a long time, right? So letting go and letting others. There's um, Brene Brown, who I'm sure you guys have talked about on this podcast, has some wonderful books. And we had our whole team read her most recent, which I think is uh, leading, something leading. Um, and she has something she talks about in there called shitty first drafts. And oftentimes what I'll have my staff do is say, hey, just, you know what? Don't worry about perfection. Send me a shitty first draft because I'd rather take 20 minutes of my time to edit something that somebody worked on versus start from scratch with something. So I've gotten really good at delegating and giving my staff the uh, green light and the freedom and flexibility to, to not make it perfect. So what would you say, because uh, you had a lot of successes, um, what would you say is your biggest failure and what do you think you learned from it? Um, recognize when I've made a bad hire. Uh, you know, oftentimes, we get new clients and we get them pretty rapidly sometimes and we have to staff up. And especially this past year, as everybody knows, hiring has been tough. Um, a lot of people have left the profession. A lot of just said, you know what? I don't need to work anymore. I had an employee, just fantastic, fabulous employee uh, just left us. Actually, today's her last day. And it's just because for family reasons, you know, she doesn't need the money as much. Her husband got a new job. He's making a lot. Uh, she'd rather be home with the kids. I mean, I think COVID has really impacted a lot of work decisions that people are making. So it's put the pressure on hiring. Um, so in some ways, I think my mistake in the past has been hiring too quickly. Um, I want to hire a friend or I want to help somebody out or I want to hire, you know, somebody that recommended somebody. Um, and in my, the generosity of my heart of wanting to help that person, I don't do enough due diligence to make sure it's the right fit for the business. It might be the right for me, right fit for me personally or for my team, um, but is it a good business decision? So making too hasty of hiring decisions and then when they're not a good fit, being too slow to let that person go. I'm just curious, do you, do you interview by yourself now or do you interview in a group or how do you do that to try to help prevent that scenario mistakes well my my business has been virtual ever since i founded it so everybody's worked in different offices i have one key business partner aaron so when we were small aaron wobble who cat knows um really aaron and i would just do those interviews usually it was a phone interview back then separately we would we would interview the person each and then kind of come together and see what we thought now that we're part of fin partners we actually have an hr department uh which is a huge help so, yeah, so we still do the interviews, though. I will tell you that now they're Zoom, of course. Um, but we interview the person. I usually have somebody on my team interview the person. Uh, and then HR does, uh, does an interview as well. So now it's now there, there's a lot more steps now to be part of a much bigger company. But yeah, that's that's the answer that hopefully I answered. That. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. You know, it's funny because even in, when I was in the corporate space, um, when I expanded my uh, hiring um, and interviewing and included some other people from my team, I landed up making better hires because then they really fit with the team because before i used to just take care of all the hiring you know whatever and then you put them in the space with the people and suddenly you're like oh 
I made a mistake. <laughs> so, if I, you know, I, I agree 100% with your thought process. Okay, so let's talk about mentors because you mentioned that you had someone give you some really good advice. Mm -hmm. uh, so your mentors, how important were they to you, to you in your process, even before a good, a becoming an entrepreneur? And then, you know, how did you, how do you feel that they influenced your success? Uh, I mentioned one already, right? When I was trying to decide what to do, uh, when I kind of got a little burnt out from being a coder. But another one I had there actually when I was at the hospital, her name was Debbie and I've tried to find her over the years and I cannot find her to reconnect with her because I want to thank her. But she um, was a nur uh, nurse, had her master's in nursing, but she was our vice president over quality assurance and worked in medical staff, which is where I ended up moving from a coder position into quality assurance. And, you know, her, she was just such a great mentor. And she was always like, I think that HIM professionals need to hear this. You know, you can go beyond what you do today and don't be afraid to do that. So I think she really helped give me the confidence and gave me that confidence boost. I think that's really important. So that's something to look for in a good mentor. It's somebody that's really going to help you identify where your strengths are and to find ways to leverage those strengths into something new or different. So she was great. And then another good one I had was, um, I'm trying to remember some other good mentors. You know, I've had just a couple other ones over the years, other, so then it kind of morphed into more sales. Other saleswomen uh, were great mentors and they would give me some great advice about selling, which, you know, I never thought of myself as a salesperson. And I can't say that I was exceptional at it. I was using it as a, as a stepping stone to get to the marketing world. But they were great about, about giving me some good, good stuff about sales. So obviously, when you get to where you want to be or when you identify where you want to be, look for some mentors that have that experience that can share that with you, uh, wherever that may be. And then uh, another thing is grab the title. You know, it's funny. One of my mentors professionally then, as I became sort of an entrepreneur, Cynthia Porter, you probably know, Kat. She was a bit of my mentor over the years, as well as a woman named Anne-Marie Brown. And they've personal friends, but also mentors and, you know, really encouraging me because I think I was, I don't know, I can't remember what title I made for my own company, but they're like, no, no, be the CEO. Um, you know, I was timid to do that. I don't know why. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, different professional mentors in my career have given me different types of advice and different nuggets that I think I've, I've kind of used all of them. I don't know that I, I don't think I've ever had sort of like a formal paid mentor. I know that that is very valuable. Um, I am very supportive of that. Erin, I believe has one and I, I encourage her to do that. I recently attended the Modern Healthcare's uh, Women Leadership event and there was a track on that. And, I, and I, I'm very supportive of that concept. I think having even a paid mentor um, that you've developed a relationship with over the years that can really provide you with some guidance is probably very useful and helpful. Something I probably, one of those hacks I probably should have taken advantage of 15 years ago. Okay, I just have to throw out, not not to come from left bait or whatever the, the phrase is, but have you ever been given advice that you just say, oh my God, that was the worst advice and I'm so glad I did or didn't take it? Wow. Um, I don't know that it was advice, but as Kat mentioned early in the, in the interview, I did sell my business. So I, I started my own business in, in 05, um, built it, uh, managed it. We had 10 employees and we sold about 20 customers. So starting with just myself, um, 
you know, wasn't wasn't huge, but I think we we establish a very good reputation in what we do in the industry and have won some awards and, you know, had really done a lot of good work for our clients. Um, when we went to sell the firm, I had a consultant working with me and he would introduce us to different agencies that were interested in buying, you know, small PR marketing firms such as ours. And he introduced me to one of the firms uh, in Philadelphia, and he was like trying to tell me what a good fit it was. I was like, no, this is the worst fit ever. <laughs> um, it just the values didn't align. Um, the people didn't really feel right. And, you know, as a business owner, when you get to the place where you're wanting to take a step back and sell your business, you know, some of the things you really want to think about are, is it a good fit for the team? Um, you know, I've worked a long time to build a really cohesive team of like-minded, hardworking healthcare professionals. And I want to make sure they're left in good hands, right? So, so you know, you have to think about that. Is it a good fit for the clients? Um, and do the values align? So I would say, you know, thinking about bad advice. I don't know if I've gotten, I can't remember any bad advice, but I can, I can point to that recent experience because it was just about two years ago of um, something that just wasn't wasn't right. And, you know, I think that you, as a woman, especially as a woman, you're going to feel that in your gut. Use your intuition. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Beth. So here's a good one. What's the one thing you want to be remem remembered for in the business space? Wow. Um, I would say, do I have to pick one? You can say as many as you want. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I would say integrity. I would say, you know, um, really being knowledgeable and delivering good products, good service, you know, just that integrity, professional integrity. I think that's really important, um, you know, because we're all going to stop working someday, right? And, but just when you do, and when you do walk away, knowing that, that you have that reputation in the industry, that's important to me. Um, the other thing is generosity, and I guess I think it's more of a personal thing, but I really always seek out to find ways we can do things for our clients without charging them, and just as like an added service or an added value, just always looking as an entrepreneur, I think it's important to always look for how, how else can I help, uh, and what else can I do to help, and not always be seeking, you know, the dollar, obviously you want to make, you need to make and be paid uh, appropriately for the service you're providing, but I believe that the added value that we've given to our clients over the years has, has led to long-term clients that stick with us, even when we raise our rates. I love, and I was telling you this early, uh, earlier, Beth, I've always kind of followed your career. We've known each other for quite some time. And I always appreciated how you did business and how you were able to meet deadlines and do all the things that you were doing at the same time, working with all these different companies. And uh, so I always kind of try to model a lot of what I do around that. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. Thanks for sharing too. I think that's something else that's important that we don't do enough is um, compliment each other and yeah. let each other know, like even the mentors, right? Hey, this is a piece of advice you gave me a long time ago and I remembered it and I used it and it was helpful. Yeah. That's a good point. So any last thoughts, Sue? No, I just greatly appreciate, um, especially hearing a successful woman in the field who has that basis of integrity 
as well as the knowledge and that type of thing and to see the success with the integrity and um so yes very admirable and i'm so glad we've had a chance to talk to you absolutely absolutely yeah. thanks for having me on the show and uh i wish you all all the best in your podcast <laughs>